and welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. Hey, best friend. Hey, best friend. I'm your co-host, Brittany, the HR specialist and virtual assistant. Today's episode is going to be a fun one. Of course, this month we are interviewing who, in my opinion, are extraordinary women that are in my life. These women I have met through work or through academic travels. I met this week's extraordinary woman and who we are bringing forth to the world, of course, in honor of Women's History Month at an organizational fundraiser almost two years ago. And when I tell y'all, she is she's funny, she is supportive, she is genuine, and for real, for real, she is truly one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Like, when I am in the office, I know that if she calls me and says, hey, you got a minute? Then I know that there is some shenanigans getting ready to come to the second floor most of the time like there is still a serious side to her but I know most of the time when she comes to the second floor there is getting ready to be some shenanigans and I'm pretty sure that once you are introduced to this fearlessly confident woman that you will probably feel the exact same about her so this week I would like to introduce you to lawyer advocate beauty guru, women's empowerment extraordinaire, Mrs. Jancel Melendez. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. First of all, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. And welcome <laughs> to the Passionate Stewardship Podcast. I know you have been an avid listener since day one. So thank you. Thank you so much. So when we get our stats every week, we always see where our listeners are listening from. And when I see Wilson, I say, oh, that's Jen Sale. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> and every week, <laughs> yep, every week without fail, Jen Sale will text me and she say, hey, I haven't listened yet. I'm going to listen on my lunch break. Or after she listens, like she'll text me what her favorite part of the episode was. And so to me, that that's real right there. Because, you know, people will say, they listen and then I know they don't listen because I'm like nope because Amanda sent us our stats and your area <laughs> wasn't there so you're lying so I know that Wilson is there and I know that Wilson is there all because of Jay Sale <laughs> so thank you so much for agreeing to this interview and for being here today and I truly mean it when I say you are one of my favorite people you are you say some crazy stuff <laughs> but you are one of my favorite people. <laughs> so, Jancel, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us your background, where you are from, and tell our listeners how you show up for your community. Yeah, so um, my name is Jancel Marie, and as Hispanic, you know that we have a long last name. So it's Jancel Marie Melendez Morales. I am born, I was born and raised in the beautiful island of Puerto Rico. So that's why you can hear a little accent to me, which I absolutely love. The accent is not little. <laughs> so yes, um, at the beginning, I thought that it was like a really impediment for me to speak and I wasn't confident about it. But now I'm like, yeah, that's me. So I am an attorney licensed in Puerto Rico, actually working as a victim's advocate for a nonprofit organization where we cater to victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking. I also love to empower women out there to support small businesses. I am Reiki certified, Archangelic Light Master. I do holistic products. I do many things. And all those, if you look at them individually, you'll realize that they're serving others. That's my passion. I love to serve others, and I love to show up for my community and I do it in any of those roles. Okay. So you have had your Juris Doctorate and you are huge on doing what's right. 
And that just doesn't come from a place of being a lawyer. Like that comes from a deep, deep desire to, like you say, serve people. Um, where does this selfless concern that you have for others, where does that come from? So this comes from my upbringing. It comes from my mom and my dad since I was um, a little girl. They've always taught me that we came to this earth to serve, to mm. serve others. My dad as an accountant. He would help everyone in the community. He was um, brought the same way. Like they had a ranch and they had milk and they would sell it. But then whatever was left over was given to those less fortunate in the community. Uh, my mom as well. She was a professor. My mom passed away last year, like a year and a half ago. And she was a professor. She had her PhD in English as a second language. And that was her passion, being there for her students. She was a professor since age 21 until oh, wow. when she passed oh, away. Wow. My mom retired January 28th. And then that same year, she passed away. But her passion was always serving her community, her students. And I do that now, like it's so normal for me because I was brought up that way. But being honest, it was not easy. I At the beginning, when I was young, I didn't understood my parents. Why were they that way? Because a lot of people would are takers. There's a lot of takers out there. And I'll be mm-hmm. like seeing like, why are you still helping this person? Or why are you doing this for that person or organization that is not actually serving they're only taking, taking, and they taught me so much. They'll be like, you always be a, a giver. It doesn't matter what they do with what you give. Your intents are true, are real. Um, and then in the process, when you start, you know, growing up and you're more mature, you understand that that's it. And for me, it comes really, really natural because that's my upbringing. It's that it came from my parents. It came from my family members. So we are, me and my brothers, we're in a community that we serve. And we are all inclusive. That's something that I always love to talk about because a lot of people don't understand why. And the reality is that I come from, my mom was born and raised in New York, but she came from Puerto Rican parents and she went to an all English, not an all English, all Catholic school. She was the Mm -hmm. only girl, but she was the only Puerto Rican. So she Mm -hmm. felt what it was to be, you know, pinpointed, judged, like, what are you doing here? Like a misfit. And then mm-hmm. my dad on the other side, since all um, his grandparents, he's part of the Mason. That's, mm-hmm. They think it's a cult, but it's not. It's about actually serving and being better men. So mm-hmm. as well, and my mom being Catholic, they do not want people like my dad within the church. So <laughs> they, we, but both were in positions of rejection. And we were taught that we don't reject anyone. We don't judge anyone. We open the doors to anyone that needs help or needs needed something that we can provide. And that's me. And that's reality who I am. If you see me mm-hmm. in the community, I would hug someone, even if I don't know them, because that happens a lot to me. People will see me and they'll open their arms and I'll just hug them. And I'll provide my services, either, either if they're legal, advocacy, holistic, whichever service I have that I can provide, it will be provided to anyone independently of their skin color, where they are, who they are, if they have a title or not. I am, I always say that I'm an attorney living outside the box and it's because that's me. I live outside the box. I don't go through those norms that society sometimes put upon us. Like if you're an attorney, you are supposed to only do attorney stuff or hang out with people that are just like you professionally or title know me. I'm, I'm all inclusive. It's funny because, you know, Jancel and I will sit in my office all the time and like have conversations about like things that are acceptable in Puerto Rico and things that like aren't acceptable here in North Carolina or like here on this side of the United States. And it amazes me how things that people turn their nose up to and that things that people are consistently being judged for and being murdered for here on this side of the United States are so socially acceptable where Jancel is from. So her and I, we have these conversations sometimes. And sometimes, you know, they're not uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable conversations if someone else would maybe walk into my office and hear us having these conversations. But we have these conversations so freely. And Jancel sometimes is like, well, why can't I say that? I'm like, girl, you can't say that. (laughs) 
And she's like, but why? I'm like, Janselle, then we go down this long, and it's nothing harmful, but it's just how, just how culturally things are just so different where Janselle is from, and just how it's a learning curve, and it's a learning curve for both of us, but how open and accepting Janselle has been to that learning curve, and how, you know, what's okay to say in Puerto Rico, like, people here are still struggling with that kind of acceptance and people are still struggling with that kind of openness here. So we have to, you know, we got to show a little bit more grace because not everybody is going to be okay with that. So you live by the mantra and the motto and the personal mission statement of being fearlessly confident. What does it mean to be fearlessly confident? And why do you think it's so important not only to live it, but you spread it around like pixie dust, like everywhere you go. Like Janselle be through the office. Like one morning I came in the office and she was at the front desk because I guess the front desk receptionist hadn't gotten in. And we are the type of office that like you will find me at the front desk answering the phones. Like you'll find anybody at the front desk answering the phones. We're short staffed. But she had affirmation cards. So everybody that walked <laughs> through the front door. She was handing them out. <laughs> like you, like Oprah, you get an affirmation card. You get an affirmation card. Like everybody got an affirmation card. So she like, she spreads this positivity and this being fearlessly confident around, like literally, like it's pixie dust. Like, where does that come from? And why is that so important to you? It is important for me because, um, like I mentioned, I'm the only girl, if you didn't know, I'm the only girl with three brothers. So since <laughs> a young age, I had to struggle like to stand out. Like it, my brothers wanted to do things and it was, oh, just us. Like it was a motorcycle, no boys. So I learned like to be fearless. I'm like, no, I can, a girl can also ride a motorcycle and I'll be with them. But once you're in society, you also have to learn to be fearlessly. There's a lot of negativity out there, a lot of um, judgments out there. And in a point in my life, I was struggling because I was like super thin naturally, not like now that I look like a meatball very big you do still... not look like a me girl <laughs> stop it yes. <laughs> oh my god don't gorgeous. say that I... yeah. <laughs> no but it's true so you know i learned at that age um people could be really um mean towards you and i started like being very fearless and it that word always stuck with me because it's not that i was actually fearless i felt fear i felt scared and then through my whole life there were always those processes of self-doubt. But in my head, I always had my mom, like she was there, my dad, they were always like, you can do this, you can do this. And I started saying to myself, even though if you're scared or you're afraid, go for it, be fearless. And then I, that's why I always say and talk about be fearlessly confident. It's a journey. This is not something that you just wake up one day and you're going to say like, hey, I'm fearless. Ooh, yeah. I'm... No, it, it's actually a journey. I've worked on that for so long and I'm finally where I, I want it to be. Like if I look back at my 13-year-old self, I would have never thought that I would have this confidence that I have now. And I see a lot of women, you know, it's hard being a woman. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Women are catty sometimes. And I always wanted a friend, female. I have a lot of male friends. It comes so naturally to me. But mm-hmm. with girls, that was not something normal for me. Mm-hmm. And and when I started, you know, having friends and all those type of things, and you see that everything that goes around, the shit shot behind your back and all those type of things, your confidence is, is you know, affected. You're like, oh, right. I'm not welcome. Oh, they don't like me. Why? So looking back then at my 13-year-old self, and I always say that time because that that's when I, my struggles began because people were starting like, you know, having their nice, curvaceous body. And there was I super thin without nothing, no poop, no nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it, my struggle actually started there, um, but it was a beautiful journey. I've always been surrounded with family members, with love and support, telling me vice versa. You know, I had society telling me like negative things. But then I got to my house and I was like, the princess, the warrior, she can do anything, you know. Um, And since that young age, that was one of my favorite words. 
And um, then growing up, going through my personal process of like um, letting go of what society expects of you and just being you and loving yourself for who you are. It doesn't matter your size, your color, anything. Um, I loved my process. And now, like I said, I am actually so confident that I walk anywhere and I'm saying I'm like J-Lo plus size this here yes. better than J-Lo. Yes, that's her thing. <laughs> that, is, that is her alter ego. She, she will go around the office yes. quick and be like, I'm the plus size J-Lo. I'm like, you better work. <laughs> yes. and, and I feel that. I don't say that just to say that. And when I'm with women around, I wish my husband was here because he has stories. Like we go out to bars and stuff women that I don't know will come to me and they'll tell me, I love your energy. I love your confidence. Like two weekends ago, we were in a bar in Raleigh and these two young ladies came to me and they told me, I love your confidence, how you're walking the room. And I'm like, oh, really? You can do the same. And they're like, oh, no, I can't. And one of them told me, I even like the guy that was working on the front door. I'm like, oh, I'll be back. I went to him as his name, brought him over. They yes. conversation. And then when Come on, matched, wing woman. She was like, oh my God. <laughs> a wing woman to a stranger. Yes. <laughs> but that means that confidence in me. And I want women to know that they're able to be confident, that it's not cocky, that you're not rude. Because sometimes when you have so much confidence in yourself, people will see it like in a negative way. But no, be confident. Be fearlessly confident. All of us can actually be that. Even though we might be afraid of like showing up, just show up. And I'm like, hey, I'm here. Woo. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that you're the only girl because Brittany's right. the only girl. She has two brothers. Yes. And so, so there's I a running it. joke that she's the prettiest son that her father has ever had because yes. <laughs> because. <she's so> funny. <laughs> because I'm such a tomboy like I'm a girly girl I present as such a girly girl but when I'm home and I'm comfortable I am I'm one of the boys like that is what I am so I get this this fearlessly confident like understanding and mindset but a lot of women don't have that mindset so how how do you think us as women that don't have that mindset how could we project that or give that advice to women that are trying to become fearlessly confident? First of all, it's going to be very hard because you right. have to be so honest and transparent with yourself. And what I did long time ago, and I think I was about 19 or 20 years at the time, I that's when I started gaining weight. I stood mm -hmm. up in front of a mirror and I looked at me. I looked at my flaws, what I had, and I'm like, okay, this is me. And I started Instead of criticizing myself, I started saying things like, ooh, I like my thighs, my thighs. Ooh, now I like this. Oh, yeah, I have cellulite. I don't care. This is me. But it's, it's a process. But you right. have to start with accepting yourself. Look yourself at the mirror. Look at all the flaws that you have. And instead of looking them as flaws, say, hey, I'm unique. This is what makes me me. Right. And that's how I always give that advice to women. Start looking yourself at the mirror. But instead, yes, one is allow only one time to say negative things about what you're seeing. Just one time. Once you say those negative things and you pinpoint out those things you don't like, you're going to switch your mind and start saying beautiful things about yourself. But it's something that you have to do daily. So that's right. why affirmations, like Cherry was saying before, yes, I do my affirmations daily. And they do change depending on my mood, yeah. depending on what's going around in, in my, you know, surroundings, in my job, in my personal life. So they will change day by day. But it's very important just to accept ourselves as we are. And I always believe that, yes, God made us unique for a reason. We all have a purpose. We all have something different and something that I've learned. And obviously my dad has said it to me all this time in Spanish, but I'll say it to you in English is that for there to be worlds, there needs to be of everything. We need everything mm -hmm. because if not, what will happen? Right. We will have nothing. So he right. said in Spanish and I'll say in Spanish because it sounds so beautiful, but he said, <laughs> Para que haya mundo, tiene que haber de todo. So yes, that's my advice. So why is empowering <laughs> others so important to you? Because, I mean, you're like this, I mean, you, I see you like this with your clients. 
I see you like this with your colleagues. I mean, you will just tell somebody in a minute, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> and don't just say out my office. I was about to say she does the hands Uh-huh. Uh, don't worry about it. And then she do this little thing with her hips. Oh, uh, don't worry about it. That's the J-Lo. That's the J-Lo coming uh, that, out. That's the J-Lo coming that's out. That's J-Lo in me, yes. It's going. So it's so important to me because I felt since I was young, um, all the things that are, all those feelings when you're not accepted, when you are put aside and also listening, like I mentioned my mom's story when she was young, because she was the only Puerto Rican, everything that she went through. So I know I, by firsthand, how it feels to be pinpointed, how to feel to be like left out, if that's the word. And there's so many, I have so many examples because like I mentioned, my mom was born and raised in New York, but she went to do her studies in Puerto Rico because she wanted to know about her culture. That's when she met my dad in college. <laughs> and even back then, they would be like, they tell my dad like, oh, you married a gringa. So for those who don't mm. know what a gringa is, it's like a, an American but it has a story behind it, like green goes, like go green color. And there's something regarding a, a battle. Um, so they would not see her as a Puerto Rican. They'll see mm, her. My mom oh, was wow. like white skin with um, grayish, greenish eyes. Um, so she didn't oh, fit okay. that Puerto Rican. So since I was born, I always felt and saw in my surroundings how it was to put others aside. And me was not like that. I'm like, nope. I Like I said, I grew up in a family that we invited everyone in. And that's why for me, it's so important to empower others because I don't want anyone to feel that they have been left behind. I don't love, I don't, I really don't like anyone to feel that they're not important. And I always say this to people when I have them front to um, face to face, I'll be like, you might feel right now that you're no one to the world, but you're the world to someone. And in that time, you are my world. If you're talking to me and you're in front of me, my attention is fully for that person. And it could be a stranger. It could be a friend. It could be a colleague. That's me. And for me, it's really important to show up in that because reality is there's a lot of negativity out there. There's a lot of putting people down. Right now with social media, a lot of people behind the, you know, an avatar or the keyboard, they'll be writing so many negative comments. Mm -hmm. um, right. And I'm like, why? Why? You know, we have to learn to be respectful. We have to learn to disagree, you know, to agree to disagree. And that does not make us enemies. Obviously, we need to learn our boundaries. And that's something that when I empower others, I talked about. You empower yourself by establishing boundaries. And that was so hard for me at the beginning. But my mission in this world, and I always say God gave me a grace of being able to speak up, of being able to reach out to people, to make them feel that they need to be here. Like I said, everyone has a special um, purpose, even though if they don't know it, I'm there to let them know. <laughs> I think that God has put a lot of people in my path for a reason. And I read something the other day that there's some people that are for all your seasons. There are others that are only for a season. And that's okay. Sometimes, you know, we think, oh, I don't talk to this person anymore. It's negative. No, it's not. Sometimes you get in the life of someone to help them in a certain moment or vice versa. Someone gets inside your life to help you with something that you don't even know that you needed to learn. And for me, that's the reason that I love to empower people. It's like a give and take kind of thing. I learn a lot from them and I know they can learn a lot from me. But for me, it's all about empowerment, supporting women. And I don't like to exclude people when I say women, but reality is that you don't see men actually tear themselves down. They're always like, yes, in a competitive way, but right. they could be better. But women, for a reason, um, you don't see them supporting each other. And that's right. what I want them to know. Like, hey, all the stars out there, they do shine. They shine differently and they make the skies beautiful. We are like that. We all shine differently and have something different and it makes the world beautiful. We don't need to be, you know, like putting bad stuff out there against each other. Right. 
So let's switch gears a minute to your holistic practices because you are big on holistic practices. You have your sage and your crystals and your moon water and all of this stuff. (laughs) So why are holistic practices so crucial for your daily beauty and wellness practices? And when did you choose to go kind of a holistic route? Have you always been that way? Or was there something that happened in your life that made you kind of go a more holistic route? So I come, most Hispanics, we're Catholics or Christian. You know, we are very faith-based. And Mm -hmm. in my house, my mom was Catholic. But at the same time, she was very spiritual. And younger, I never understood the difference. I know that was there. When my mom, my mom passed away, that was like a very um, turning point in my life. My mom was my everything, everything. And um, I was like, what am I going to do now? But yet I was so grateful because she, they have always taught me to be grateful that it might mm. be weird if someone is listening to this podcast and they'll be like, how can you be grateful that your mom passed away? And I'm not grateful in that sense. It's like how everything happened. So I indulged my time. And I say it that way because it was indulgement. um, Practicing my gratitude toward what her life was. And all of a sudden, I felt like her presence and like her spirituality. Because I mentioned she was always like that, but not me. And I started reading more about it. I all of a sudden, like I saw ads about holistic practices, and I was like moved forward to that. And in my grieving process, that's what actually helped me. It helped me okay. to center journaling about the process. Oh, so this is new of, for you. Yes, I've been doing this for almost two years now. Okay. 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 And I did my Reiki. I am level two certified. I did my angelic light master. And, and I started that? working. That's how you bring your angels to guide you or to assist you with any situation. Okay. So there's angels. <laughs> like, I mean, I believe in angels. Right. For example, one day you were leaving and I told you about that. I hope the angel Raphael was with you. And you were like, what? What? Angel (laughs) Raphael will be an angel that will actually accompany you for safe travels. Okay. That's about it. But everything has been new. But at the same time, different people that I've met have told me, you have this huge light in you that comes that you irradiate this light, um, light, but it is because of your ancestors. You're, you have mm-hmm. it very strong because of your ancestors. Mm-hmm. And um, through all that, then our job, as you know, is a really demanding job. It was helpful because I was going through my grieving process, but also as this new role as a victim advocate. And seeing face-to-face our daily victims, it takes mm-hmm. a toll on you. Absolutely. And I was like, I need to do something more intense so that I can be, one, ready for myself and two, ready for to take care of my, my clients. Mm-hmm. And that's now when I started more being more conscious and more like my agenda. That's my girlfriend, <laughs> my best friend. I take my time so seriously and I started incrementing my me time. Me time is just like meditating, my essential oils, my crystals talking directly to God. And um, that's when it all started, when my mom passed away. Okay. And Jancel is serious about boundaries. Let me tell you, if you need Jancel <laughs> at 459, hey, baby, she's nowhere around. Peace <laughs> up. Jancel is out the door. <laughs> no, Jancel do not play. Really, for real, you have to establish boundaries so that I know one of the questions previously was how can you be so confident and help others to be confident? And one of the things I always say is like, you have to establish boundaries. Mm -hmm. You have to do that because when you learn to love yourself, when you learn to respect yourself, when you learn to respect your time, when you learn to establish those limits, which I call boundaries, you are teaching others to respect you too. Absolutely. 
Yes, and it took me a while to establish those boundaries because it's also a mental thing. Before, you know that it's already 4.50. I'm like, bye, people. <laughs> 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 and But it's just so true. And everybody knows, like, don't ask. Where did I tell that? Giselle's gone. Maybe people might think like, oh, why is she already leaving? Oh, she doesn't care. She doesn't want to... Um, do an extra hour or do something extra because it is the negativity will come when you put your boundaries. But once you respect those boundaries yourself, people will respect you too. And now they're Absolutely. already know they're like, uh-uh, you come here for 50, you should come tomorrow because she's not gonna take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely not one of those things like she's shortchanging the organization or she's not putting her time in. Like Jen still to work every day before nine o'clock. Like a lot of times when I pull up, her truck is her truck is already in the there. parking lot. So she's putting her time in, but it's like, hey, yes. four thirty like if we have a meeting at four o'clock, <laughs> Jancel is okay. She's attentive. She's still, but around 435, hey, she started getting a little fidgety. (laughs) She started looking around. She started taking that phone over. I'm like, hey, I need, hey, I need a couple more minutes. I need you to focus. Couple more minutes. minutes. I need you to focus. (laughs) But I respect it because it is true. Mm -hmm. It's true. Like once you, I think it took everybody in the office some time to kind of get there because the type of work that we do, we're always on one minute. You could be doing one thing and then a crisis comes in and our attention is averted. And it's kind of, we, we always are functioning on a expect the unexpected and everybody that comes through our doors, they're always in crisis mode. And we always have to assess like how much of a crisis is it? So, and it's kind of hard in the beginning to establish boundaries because you want to ensure because we're always focused on safety. That that's our goal where where Jancel and I are. Our goal is safety. Our goal is to ensure that women, children, and men are always safe and that we provide that safety. So and it's always a, a tug of war sometimes. It's like, okay, is this a safe situation? Can I go home at the end of the day? Is this something that can wait until yeah. tomorrow? Is this person just trying to get, you know, it's it's always that tug of war. But Jensel has established such good boundaries for herself that, and everyone is kind of really trained to the point that where one is where one is not there, the other can pick up and a person can still be provided services but everybody know 459 jess will probably home by now <laughs> no, everyone listening that is in human services you have to establish mm. your boundaries absolutely and not only that you have to determine which boundaries you're okay bending and which ones not you're like, not for example, right i'm not bending the one that I, by five i'm out Unless there's like a huge emergency, definitely that's something different. But I do not take my lunch time. That I don't care. Like, mm. hey, if I have my time, like I'll like, okay, I have 30 minutes, I'll have my lunch. But if there's a client there waiting, for me, that's a boundary that I don't care. Yeah, so you don't take no lunch. To Exactly. Like, I don't care to that. That's like, it's non-existent. <laughs> but I have others, co-workers, that their 30 minutes, that's their boundaries. Right. And I they have, have to take to, a lunch. They yeah. have to take it. And mm-hmm. then I also had to learn to respect that. Because for because me, that's, that's the giver. But that's the give or take where we are. It's yes, like if right. I if right. I don't take a lunch, then can I leave a little early? Mm-hmm. But I need to step away for this hour or I need to step away for this 30 minutes. And that's where the give or take is, you know. Exactly. Do I sacrifice my lunch so I can leave early and then start my evening or do I just break my day up? And so that, that, that's the flexibility um, that we have, but then that's a good thing though, because you can take care of yourself. But I know you weren't taking no lunch, (laughs) Jazzy. Just told on yourself to the whole wide world. Okay. 
So again, you've mentioned, you know, how how serious the work is and how emotionally draining the work is that we do. So how do you utilize the holistic practices to supporting you and taking care of yourself, especially after you have worked with some really complex cases or clients? Because we, you know, we had some really complex cases lately that have kind of taken all of us for a loop, especially around the holidays. So how have you implemented your holistic practices and even maybe some of your own beauty products? Um, Because we we haven't touched on that yet. And I want to touch on that a little bit. So how have you implemented some of that stuff into your, you know, taking care of yourself at the end of a day when you have just had one of those cases or one of those clients where, you know, you kind of, you didn't see it coming and like, did I do everything right? Like now I need to focus on me and taking care of myself. So it took me some time because it's definitely hard. The type of work that we do is not something that you just shut the door and you're gone and you leave it there. At least me, I take it with me. I'm thinking like, oh my God, did I did this? Is she safe or he's safe? Like, did I provide everything? What's going to happen now? You know, you have your thoughts that are continuously like running through and it started to affect me physically. I started feeling like my back pain, hip pains. And with the holistic world, they know that there's some emotions that we will carry and they will affect certain parts of your body. So I went to a doctor and he told me like they did x-rays and everything. Obviously, I do have some condition, but my hips, it was regarding my emotions. And they're telling me you Mm -hmm. are taking your emotions in. And I started talking, you know, to my husband and I was realizing that it was the job. Because even though I was an attorney, I was a family attorney, the work is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, that what I'm doing now is a, a victim advocate. And I wanted to like bring people even home. And I'm like, that's not allowed. Oh, and I'm wow. like, what's happening? Do they have a space? Are you just telling all the stuff that you'll be telling me in the office? <laughs> <laughs> you just tell it all on yourself right now. <laughs> yes. And the thing is that 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 happened and I was like I need to do something because I need to break I need to leave that behind because I also like you mentioned I'm part of a, a company I represent I have a group I'm a leader for a group that I have to show up and be there I'm a wife and I am very protective of my me time with my husband um so I needed to show up in my different roles as a human as me as Janselle And that's when I started, like, I need to take at least an hour. And even my husband will tell me, oh, it's eight o'clock. Are you going to go meditate? And he already knows that at eight o'clock, sometimes because I have other responsibilities, it's either eight or nine o'clock. I take my hour to, like, put my incense in my hand, to breathe, to do breathing techniques, to do affirmations for, like, the rest time, do some stretches. Let it all out. Let it all go to know like, okay, you did your best. Because as you mentioned, we have some tough cases, especially during the, the holidays. And I had to learn. You just let it go. Like, And with breathing techniques and doing my Reiki on myself, that did help me to stay grounded, to stay focused, and to be willing to show up the next day. Because this is a type of, of job that, yes, you can do all those practices. You're going to feel good with yourself. You're going to be able to sleep a little bit more. And you're going to be able to show up next day. But if you don't take care of yourself, it's going to be hard to show up next day knowing that this is the type of cases we see on a daily basis. Daily basis, all day, every day. And some days are worse than others. Some days it can be quiet as a church mouse. And then some (laughs) days it can be pure pandemonium for us. It's just nonstop. So... The the advice that you or just your response to how you show up and how you take care of yourself with self-care, is that the same or not with self-care, but how you take care of yourself after dealing with the emotionally draining work that we do deal with at our organization? Is that the same advice that you would give other human service professionals and social workers? And is that the advice that you would give other maybe executive directors? I would definitely give that advice to them. I would definitely have them take time. I know that time is an issue that, you know, we're always saying, oh, we don't have enough time, but you have to make that space. You have to make 
space for that. I, I don't know how to say that time for you either. If it's like for in your instance, you drive. So while you're driving, instead of putting music, put a podcast, put something positive mm -hmm. that allows your mind to relax and not think of what you just left behind about work. Right. Um, so yes, my advice is take time to cater to yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, if you don't take time for yourself, if you don't respect yourself, like I always say, if you don't nurture yourself, how are we going to nurture, you know, provide those services or care for others? And I wanted to share this with you. I don't know if you've seen this. I saw um, in TikTok, this person was holding a balloon and she got a lighter and she put it um, under the balloon and the balloon that was empty, just blown, explode. Then she got another balloon. She put water in it. And um, when she put the lighter underneath it, the balloon did not explode. And she said, this is what happens in life. When you have nothing inside, you will explode. But if mm. you're fulfilled inside, you will not explode. Mm. Like pouring from an empty cup. Pouring into yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yep. And the Bible says that I'm all about, I like everything, you know. And, Come on um, now, and the Bible says you're about to take us to church. Come on no, now. But the Bible <laughs> says that you have to love your neighbor like you love yourself. <laughs> and that's true. I that's so true. If, how can you cater to victims? Or if you're human services, how can you cater to your clients if you're not catering for yourself? No, As that's attorney, so true. How am I going to defend someone? And litigate for someone's right when I'm not doing it for my own. That's right. true. So that's true. <laughs> that's, no, I just like how you said that the Bible says. I'm like, like the Bible okay, says, honey. I'm like, pass the giant sale. Okay. I'm see my box full of surprises. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> Okay, so I truly believe that self-care sometimes is a buzzword that few people take advantage of. However, they're not really doing self-care. They just like to use the word. Um, and we all talk about boundaries, and I definitely believe that boundaries is a part of self-care. Um, and I like to think I am doing so much better at boundaries and self-care than I have probably ever done in my entire professional life. And like I said earlier, if you're looking for Jane Cell at 459, you're not finna find her. <laughs> so Jane Cell, what does self-care truly mean to you? Not what you do for self-care, but what does self-care truly mean to you? It means that gives me the opportunity to realize my emotions, to be able to feel them, to go through them. It's not all positive. I see a lot of, um, we mentioned self-care goes hand to hand with positivity. And for me, it's like, no, everything is not always positive. Self-care is allowing yourself to feel your emotions. Either they're good, they're bad, it's high, they're lows. Go through them. And self-care once you do that, then it's self-care is realizing where you are, where you want to be, and where you want to go. And it's a journey. It is a journey. How long has it taken you to get to this like, comfortable journey of self-care? Wow, I'll say it took me since I was 13. I always, that's like my mark. I started when, when I was 13 and I've been in my confident self um, in this process of self-care, allowing myself to feel my emotions, the good, the bad and everything, and then moving mm -hmm. forward to what I want. And I'll say that it's been finally fulfilled in the last three or four years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So all of this newness, this, this new wellness regimen this new this self-care it's it's very new for you so you can and I feel like when things are new we can speak to it with such and passion I, yes and not only that it's new because I've always catered to myself and that's where the beauty part of it comes I've always taken care those 15 or 20 minutes of like my skincare regimen in the morning and in the afternoon, that was my self-care. But that was also part of like, hey, society, you know, I have to be, my face has to look certain way. But okay. into the deepness of self-care, of actually taking that time for you, which it could be way different for someone else. For me, it's just meditating now with my new practices that just 
came into my life two years ago. But for others, it could be just having 10 minutes for themselves reading a book. For someone else, it could be just those 30 minutes walking around their neighborhood. So self-care is very big. It's not only a, a meditation part of it or that part of beauty that sometimes we put a connotation to it. Self-care, for me at least, now that I see it this way, because as I mentioned, it's been a journey since I've been 13 years old till now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's what makes you feel alive for a short period of time. Okay. And I said a short period of time, because if you're a mom, you're hectic. Your life is hectic, you know, so sometimes Mm. you cannot even go to the bathroom by yourself. (laughs) Your kids right. are there. Um, so maybe for that mom, those 15 minutes in her car without music, just her thoughts or a book or just by herself before going to her house, that's self-care for her. And that's okay. Right. So it's right. new that part that four years that I actually feel like now this I have to do. Two years, the new part regarding like the meditation and all that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But every woman out there should be incorporating self-care. Find Sounds something good, that you're passionate about. If it's going to church, if it's just walking, if it's putting just a nice pair of jeans, whatever you think that it's fulfilling for you, do it. For me at this time, it's meditation. Grounding myself, spending that alone time with me and my thoughts. Um, that's my self-care. For me. And, and it looks different for everyone. Right. Yeah, definitely different for everybody. I just have one more question for you, Jen. So you do a lot on a daily basis, whether it's working for the organization that you work for, your holistic practices, being a lawyer, a wife, things of that nature. How do you find yourself balancing it all? Oh, that that now is easy to respond. (laughs) It's all organization. Before, you know, I just woke up and I knew I had to go and do my job either as an attorney when I had my firm and I just did my normal day as it showed up. I wasn't intentional of my day. I didn't have an agenda with me. Now I sit on every Sunday and I look at my week. If I have to move things, I'll move those things around. And then at the end of the month, like now this weekend, I'm already filling up everything that I already know that I have for March. So being organized, which that was hard for me, (laughs) it's key. It's key. Like I wake up already at six from six to eight. And that's also my me time. My me time in the morning, my me time with my doggy Luna. Um, (laughs) So in my agenda, it's me time that time. Javier is already out of the house, so it's no one. That's pure silence for me. Getting ready, doing my prayers to go to work, you know, putting myself prepared to start my day. Then I block my eight hours of work. And there I know that it's whatever crisis comes the door, I'm ready for it. But it's within (laughs) that eight hours from eight hours period yeah (laughs) and then from five to eight if you look at my agenda that's my husband time that's my time to be with him talk to him what happened in your day we will do meals together or buy something together but from five to eight that's his time and i do not that's a boundary that i don't break then from eight to ten that's me time again and that's where i would include my meditation my leadership with my company that I represent, do my products. And then at, t- at 10, 10 30, I start to unwind. Not drinking wine, I mean, but unwind. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said you was drinking wine, Jesse. What she do? <laughs> Sometimes you need some wine to unwind. <laughs> you told her to show a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> So this has been so much fun. And I, again, Jen, so I just adore you. I think that Mm -hmm. you, you are truly one of those people that you walk the walk, you talk the talk. And when Jancel says that, even though I know she'd be wanting to take clients home, I believe her because there have been times where she'll send me an email like so-and-so didn't have any clothes. Can I go buy them clothes? Like, no, Jen. So we, we can do that. Just come upstairs. 
Like, I know she will do that and she will not look for anything in return. Um, so I know her heart and I am so glad that I know her heart. So if folks would like to follow all of your fearless confidence or get in touch with you to purchase any products, how can they do that? They can follow me on Instagram, fearlessly by JM. And um, they can also find me on Facebook and they can direct message me and I'll respond. I'll be like, hi. and we will ensure that all of jane sales information are in um the show notes for today's episode so thank you so much jane sale for sitting with us today and sharing all of your fearless confidence uh with the world didn't i tell y'all y'all was gonna fall in love with her i know y'all did i know (laughs) y'all did and when we get our Mm. stats this week i know we gonna have wilson on the map (laughs) all because of (laughs) jancel this week's exceptional woman who paved the way and elevated women giving new meaning to the saying i am woman Katanji Brown-Jackson, Associate Justice. Associate Justice Jackson was born in Washington, D.C. on September 14, 1970. She is married with two daughters. She received an A.B. magna cum laude from Harvard Radcliffe College and a Juris Doctorate cum laude from Harvard Law School. She served as a law clerk for Judge Patty B. Saris of the U.S. District Court for the District of Massachusetts, Judge Bruce M. Saylor of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the First Circuit, and Justice Stephen G. Breyer of the Supreme Court of the United States during the 1999 term. After three years in private practice, she worked as an attorney at the U.S. Sentencing Commission. She served as an assistant federal public defender in Washington, D.C., and then in private practice. She served as a vice chair and commissioner on the U.S. Sentencing Commission. And then in 2012, President Barack Obama nominated her to the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, where she served until 2021. She was appointed to the Defender Services Committee of the Judicial Conference of the United States and the Supreme Court Fellows Commission. President Biden appointed her to the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit and then nominated her as the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court in 2022. She took her seat on June 30th, 2022. Today and every day, the Passionate Stewardship Podcast honors Associate Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson for paving the way for every woman and giving new meaning to the term, I am woman. The Passionate Stewardship Podcast would like to thank the amazing, the extraordinary Jancel Melendez for gracing us with her presence today. Thank you, best friend, for co-hosting me with me today. And remember... Self-care is health care and kindness is free. So do me a favor and be kind to someone today. I love you for listening. Until next time, be kind to yourself and to others. Bye. Bye.